welcome to episode 24, which is really the final episode of how to build a sustainable music career and collect all revenue streams. It's very, very bittersweet for me, although I'll explain it's not totally <laughs> the final episode. Um, it's the final episode that is based on the book. Um, I truly believe, as I've shared, um, that we've taught you how to build a sustainable music career and collect all revenue streams through a step-by-step -step process. Um, I'm going to briefly review those chapters and episodes today and, and share my thoughts on kind of where we're going. Um, but as far as future episodes go, so like this was always a set series. You know, the book is done. The podcast is done. If there is something you feel I didn't cover or something new arises, you know, that I think of, I will definitely be doing special episodes. So hit me up on social media at emwizzle. Um, if you feel there are topics we didn't cover or that you want to see covered. Um, so stay subscribed and all that. But like I said, this was always a set vision and series. Um, you know, I've shared this throughout, but musicians tend to want to get coffee with me to pick my brain. And um, you now have all of that information in podcasts and book form. So I hope it's been helpful. It's been freaking awesome to hear from you all um, throughout this process. And then I have a I have a couple ideas for special episodes, but again, I feel like we've covered the title of the book, the title of the podcast, but I heard from one listener and I should have looked him up before I started talking about this, but I will note it in the show notes, who asked me about, um, you know, the perspective from a drummer, uh, you know, presumably a session musician who isn't necessarily writing music. So I think I want to do a special episode for session musicians. Um, again, you know, the book and podcast is very helpful, I, I think, <laughs> in those areas because then you know what to expect, right? So if someone gives you work for hire, um, you know that that is standard and not scary and not something to run to the hills about. Um, at the same time, if they just want you to sign a work for hire for free and you're not getting anything... Um, you know that you should be asking for cash. And, you know, this is going to be hard to convince someone else to do, to be totally honest. But if there's truly no cash, can you get a percentage um, of sales and streaming and sync on the recording side, which is what we've shared from the artist side, if they truly do not have a budget. So anyway, I have some ideas and, and someone that I feel would be amazing to interview as far as the session musician slash drummer perspective. And then recently I've had questions, not recently, actually for years, I've had questions come up as far as how does a touring crew work? Um, so we've covered, we had three episodes that covered uh, sustainable touring and the live industry. But again, that's all from the artist perspective. Not that understanding what a crew does isn't something an artist should understand, but I've, I've seen some really left field questions come up in general in my comings and goings um, as far as what uh, is standard and what's expected or not expected from crew members. And I taught a workshop on tour management. I used to tour manage a long time ago. I think I've mentioned that throughout this podcast. 
And I ran a tour management workshop at Hofstra University and it was like packed and the students were super excited and I'm still in touch with a bunch of them. And then I was teaching at NYU and I mentioned that and the students were like, oh my gosh, can we get that here? And I, there are some programs teaching crew and tour management, don't get me wrong, but clearly not enough, uh, especially when the students are asking for this information. And, you know, I got paid good money to be a tour manager when I graduated college. Now I started as a merch person and started tour managing when I was in college to build that experience up. But yeah, I just feel like there's um, not a ton of clear information out there, again, on you know, basics, how to get into it, what what's expected of you. So I I either want to do a special episode covering that or maybe we'll do more than one, one episode. I haven't decided. I definitely have people in mind I want to interview. So we'll see if that's, you know, one episode digging into crew stuff or if we do one on kind of, you know, each basic crew member. So the end, but not quite the end, but really the end of, of this series and, and information I've been sharing with you. And and again, you know, I've, I've said this before, if this information, you know, helps one musician, I feel that then, you know, my, my, <laughs> feels weird to say, but my work here is done. Um, so again, to, to have tens of thousands of listeners to, you know, hear from so many of you on social media um, is, is really satisfying and, and really means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you for that um, to everyone listening all over the world. So again, just to review the chapters of the book, I know we've done that, but just to remind you everything we've learned, I'm not going to remind you everything you've learned, but um, an overview, you know, of what you've learned. So again, you know, chapter one, get your art together, know, you know, in your heart and soul when you're ripe, when you're ready to record, that you're not forcing it. um, And also that you're not overthinking it, right? So get, get into that you know, intuitive place where, you know, you know that uh, what you have is, is what you want to communicate with the world because that's what's going to connect with audiences for the long term. So there's no future chapters if you don't nail chapter one, that's for sure. Chapter two, pre-recording marketing foundation, email list, text message club, and social media. I was so thrilled to have Cyber PR's Ariel Hyatt on um, for that episode, um, I heard from a lot of you, um, you know, how much you gained from that episode. So, And I'm not surprised because Ariel is, you know, successful for a reason. She's really great at, at communicating, you know, modern marketing and direct-to-consumer sales in a, uh, dare I say, an artistic way. Chapter three, get your business affairs together and fair compensation. It was so cool to have Donald S. Passman on that episode. Um, hopefully you feel well-versed as far as, you know, approaches to talk about songwriting splits, uh, after that chapter and episode, uh, making sure that, you know, you're having musicians sign a work for hire, um, you know, tips on that and, you know, just getting creative as far as, um, you know, bonusing people out. I mean, again, that's, that's me saying getting, getting creative. If, if you truly don't have a budget, um, you know, awarding some points, some percentages on, on the master recording side, uh, as far as royalties go, not ownership to pay them out. And, um, also putting together a band or a group agreement around that time. Uh, even if it's just, you know, you talk about it, you put it down in email, um, and you both agree to it. 
chapter four, how to record with or without a budget. We had an in-depth interview with Patrick Sansone of Wilco and the Autumn Defense. That was super interesting because Pat is a world-class producer, obviously plays in a huge band and doesn't necessarily have the highest end gear. I mean, he has amazing stuff, don't get me wrong, but we talked about various price points, you know, software that's free up to, you know, things that Pat doesn't even have, which means you probably don't need it either. Chapter five, music publishing isn't scary or confusing, plus how to land a sync placement. Again, all music publishing is, uh, I mean, again, is most people know what a record company does, what their role is in theory. Their job is to promote the recording and collect as much money as possible for it. That's all music publishing is on the songwriting side. And whether your song is being promoted or not, you need to make sure you are uh, collecting on your music publishing. And to do that, first, you have to sign up for a PRO, Performing Rights Organization. Just sign up once. And we've gone over that countless times. And then you are actually not done. And I know that's confusing because you're asked to sign up for a publishing designee. But then you need to work with Song Trust or a publishing administrator to make sure you're publishing is collected on in full. And I am super pro Song Trust, not just because they've sponsored episodes on this podcast, um, but because it's really nice to have all your, it's really nice to have your publishing catalog housed all in. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One place, as opposed to um, collecting on your publishing through TuneCore, CD Baby. You know, if, if you happen to jump around distributors... Uh, on the recorded music side, which is really common, um, you don't want to have to jump around music publishing administrators. So we break down the variety of options in music publishing, plus give a lot of best practices on how to land a sync placement. Um, that episode with Lauren, with Tara Bird's Lauren Ross is probably one of my favorites. Um, so hopefully she gives you some some real deal inside advice on the best way to set yourself up for sync placements. Chapter six, setting up your release and distribution plan. Uh, we had a variety of great guests talking about the options there as far as, um, you know, the most important being, you know, your website and direct-to-consumer sales. We had Bandcamp founder Ethan Diamond uh, talking about all of the great work they do to help artists. And then uh, we had Kulla on to talk about aggregators like DistroKid, CD Baby, TuneCore to help you decide which one makes the most sense for you. And then, of course, we had Nick Gordon, the GM of Symphonic Distribution, for those of you looking for uh, a, a commission-based, uh, well, I guess, yeah, a commission-based distribution partner, but they're, they're a little bit more selective in, in, how they, in, in who they work with. Chapter seven, how to market with or without a budget. We had Melissa Garcia, my business partner, and I voted Festival CMO. That was also an awesome episode, honestly. Um, and then... Chapter eight was your live strategy and efficient touring. We had uh, we had CAA's Akin Alu, who is incredible, talking to us about um, booking local shows, booking at the highest levels, 
We had Warp Tour founder Kevin Lyman on the future of the industry, as well as Mandolin CEO and founder uh, Mary Kay Hughes. And she was talking about the future, the now and the future of webcasting. For chapter nine, Merch Recon, we had artist Julia Nunes and had a really incredible talk about merch. Chapter 10, Revenue Stream Checklist. Uh, we just reviewed that a few episodes ago with artist Steph Reed. Uh, we had two episodes for Chapter 11, Repeat and Grow. You just heard artist Nikki Hill. And before that, we had Cam Franklin of The Suffers. Oh, sorry, that was two episodes two episodes ago. My bad. And then finally, we had, uh, we had Randy speak on when do I need an attorney, a business manager, and or a manager defining an artist traditional team. And that was with uh, Randy Nichols, who does a ton of, he's been a manager for a long time, does a lot of tech consulting. And um, I haven't listened to that one back yet, but when I was making it, it was also one of my favorite episodes at the time. So I look forward to putting together that clip. And after that, we had Run the Jewels co-manager, Amichi Uzigwe on episode 23. And for me, that was one of the most personally moving and inspiring episodes and stories that I'd heard in a long time. Obviously, from the outside, Michi is ridiculously successful, um, not just with Run the Jewels, but when you look at his entire career, you know, he was at Jack White's management, he ran um, Independent Labels Association, um, A2IM, um, you know, he ran a legendary hip hop label in the nineties. He was at the flaming lips management in the aughts. Um, so, but again, he's had really high highs and low lows and up ups and downs. So it's just a reminder to all of us that the grass really always is greener. And if you do right by artists, you know, you create great art, you work with great artists and, and you persist, you really can get there. But yeah, just a few thoughts to wrap up. You know, um, I'm not going to have a guest on this episode. I did have a few people in mind and one of them lost their funding and the other was stressed about funding. And it doesn't mean these people aren't, uh, you know, worthy of being interviewed by any means. But I think it was just a reminder to me that you are the now, like you are the future. Like that's what we've taught you, you know, like the whole point of this is to make great art, connect with your, and connect with your audience forever. Like that's it. All this other stuff comes and goes and it's <laughs> all that, all this other stuff, all the industry stuff, it's both good and bullshit at the same time. Um, and so, like I said, I mentioned, you know, like, I wanted to have someone on from a startup that I just think is really trying to change the industry, but um, they don't have funding right now, you know? And so it, it falls back for better and for worse. I would say for better, it falls back on you as artists and, and people that support artists. So, you know, I've taught you how to do this. I've taught you how to empower yourself. You have to keep, keep going. It's really freaking hard. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm recording this in September 2021. We're also in like weird in-between times. Things are kind of getting back to normal, but they aren't back to normal. So like, it's hard. But, you know, I've been thinking for a long time, probably the past year or two, about how there are kind of 
not kind of, I think there are two music industries. <laughs> There's the music industry that people talk about, and that's going to be like press and like labels and stuff and um, things like that. And I've been a part of that, no doubt. And that's, that's a valid and legitimate thing. But then there's what people are actually listening to. <laughs> and that's really what it's all about. Um, I don't know if I've used this example on this podcast, but, you know, when we were putting together hashtag I voted festival, we wanted to get people excited about voting where we could really have an impact because a lot of elections in the U.S. and plenty of places around the world are decided by the size of a concert venue. And so we just booked per the data instead of just, you know, guessing and hoping, you know, that the talent we booked was something, you know, potential voters would be interested in. We literally downloaded like, okay, here are the top streaming acts in Wisconsin. Here are the top streaming acts in Michigan. Like it was really fascinating data um, for a few reasons. I think I've mentioned this on this podcast. Um, Again, looking at like Wisconsin, where I'm from. Like Milwaukee, everyone is listening to rap and jam bands. And then you move over to Madison, where the University of Wisconsin is. And it's like the hippest music that I've never heard of. That's all really good. (laughs) Um, And then you hop over to Grand Rapids, which isn't that far away, and which is in Michigan. And it's all contemporary Christian. Like every genre you could ever imagine, except Christian. Um, And so geographically, those locations are not far apart, but, you know, the people that live there are listening to something, listening to totally different things. And this was further exemplified to me uh, because, you know, we have a thing in Milwaukee where I'm from, a thing. We have a huge festival called Summerfest. And on the Summerfest grounds, they have different festivals throughout the summer. And my parents go to Irish Fest every year and come back and just rave (laughs) about the Red Hot Chili Pipers, which are um, a bunch of guys from Scotland who do, maybe they have original music too. I've only seen them, them do covers on, on bagpipes and like people go nuts for this. So I wasn't totally surprised when Red Hot Chili Pipers was not only one of the top streaming artists in Wisconsin, but I think they ended up head, like full on headlining our Wisconsin stage at I Voted Festival. And so like, all year, I mean, all summer or all year or whatever that that lineup was up and announced, I would hear from industry colleagues all the time being like, oh, there's a typo on your website. It says Red Red Hot Chili Pipers and not Peppers. And I had to explain and tell that whole story that like, we're trying to get people in Wisconsin to vote. Um, They're really excited about Red Hot Chili Pipers. We would love to have Red Hot Chili Peppers as well. But yeah, sometimes it is like a bunch of guys, you know, playing bagpipes from Scotland, uh, you know, playing covers that get people excited. And so it's about that. (laughs) It's about what is authentic, what is genuine, what is connecting with your audience and not necessarily, you know, what a select group of people are talking about. Um, You know, I was talking about this with an artist this weekend who is going through some FOMO. He's usually pretty good about not feeling that, but we're all human. Um, This is an artist that makes enough 
through his Spotify royalties to pay his rent and all his expenses, which is obviously amazing. Um, he's, he's done everything right. I mean, he's just awesome at connecting with his audience. He monetizes from day one, which I don't know if that's something I hammered in hard enough, but, you know, launch that Patreon right away, launch that pre-order right away. As soon as, you know, you start making music that you know is, is going to be released. So here's someone doing everything right. And then, you know, just having a FOMO moment, you know, with some other people that were, um, you know, getting onto festivals and stuff like that. And I, you know, I, it's weird because I know a lot of these people and then I know the big picture and I know the behind the scenes. And my point was, is, you know, some of these people that were, you know, getting out at the festivals um, don't live full-time off their music like artist A does, right? And artist A still has a ways to go in the live space for sure. And, and I explained to him a path on, you know, how to get to those festivals, a path that is very attainable and very clear. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, but yeah, like my whole goal with this is for you to build a career that lasts forever, both as far as building an authentic fan base and then monetizing forever. Um, I think that we get too caught up and it, hello, I mean, it's totally natural that we get too caught up with like what's happening right now. And suddenly you hear about something from like three tastemakers or whatever, and you, you think it's everywhere, but um, at the end of the day, I don't want those musicians who are on getting on these festivals um, to have day jobs and, you know, have to quit, you know, at some point because because um, they don't know how to do this stuff. Right. So um, you need, you know, if, if you want to be signed to a major label, an indie label, any label, you know, if that's a goal, you have to do all this stuff. And I'm on you know, panels with these people all the time and they enthusiastically not yes. Um, if you are on a label, indie label, or working with industry people, you have to do this stuff. Uh, everything that I've described in this book and podcast because, you know, those people are inevitably going to go away, change careers, God forbid, die, whatever, you know. I'm 38 years old and I was just talking to someone from my university about how, you know, we don't know, I don't know anyone for years, people from my music business program has told me I'm the only one still in the industry. And like, I'm not necessarily that old. Um, and someone asked me, why do I think that happened? I mean, that, that's like a bigger picture thing. I think it has, I, I don't think we're always teaching the right stuff in music business programs. I mean, if you are a graduating senior and you can't name every revenue stream that, um, an artist is entitled to if they record and uh, write their music, then then we're failing you. Um, you know, we're not talking about retirement enough. We're not talking about investment. Um, we don't talk about that in the crew world. Um, we don't talk about sexual harassment. Maybe they do. Maybe we do a little bit more now. Uh, we don't talk about substances. So, uh 
but that's that's neither here nor there actually because this podcast is about you the artist and I but I guess I'm just trying to point that out is just like the greatest industry you know the, the people who are so enthusiastic enthusiastic about you might be like fuck it I'm going in attack or fuck it I want you know whatever and again maybe that that'll be a special episode of that that I do uh for this podcast is like sustainability as an industry person right because you know, I struggle with this stuff too, where it's just like, okay, what do I want to do with the second half of my life? I feel like I've accomplished, you know, beyond my wildest dreams in music and not to go off on too, too much of a tangent, but you know, for now that'll be hashtag I voted festival because that's something I can do that has impact, um, that combines all of the skills that I have obtained in the music industry. But anyway, my point is, is there's the industry people are talking about. And then there's the actual industry where, uh, there's the actual industry, which is musicians making great art, connecting with their audience and making money doing it forever. So try not to get too caught up in industry A. And if you're in industry A or you want to be in, in, in industry A, again, you have to do all this stuff. And then the third uh, point on um, you have to do all this stuff is, of course, if you don't care about, you know, being signed or whatever, um, then you have then you have to do this stuff anyway. So the point is, you know, you have to do this stuff. And I feel like we're at this weird point in music industry history where, you know, like it was so exciting when the digital age came of age in, I don't really like, which one's the aughts? <laughs> I don't really like that word. But um, yeah, I think that's right. The, in the aughts in 2000, you know, 2005 or whatever. Um, it was so exciting because, again, like I had grown up with, you know, artists only having the option to have their master recordings owned by someone else um, to be able to record and distribute. And so it felt so liberating and exciting that artists could get that power back. And I feel like there is starting to be a generation of artists that just overlooks that and industry people that um, like younger industry people that overlook that. And I get it, right? It's just like, we're all addicted, you know, to social media and algorithms and, oh my God, like, look at these streams, look at these likes, whatever. Like, it's all, I feel weird saying it's all bullshit because you can make money, you know, streaming and we, we do need to fight for reform in that area. But, you know, the... The BS part of it is that, you know, Instagram's going to go away. Like I just, um, I just did the audio. I just read the audiobook for my first book, Interning 101, which I wrote in like 2016, came out in 2017. And it, I don't, it barely mentions, mentions Instagram. And now not to jump around too much, but I think this will make sense. You know, like, Anytime I hear a 2021 Olympian talk about their experience, not anytime, but a lot of times when I talk about, when I hear a 2021 Olympian talk about their, their experience, they're like, oh my gosh, that person won a medal and they, and they gained so much, so many more followers on, on Instagram. Like that's a metric for us now, but it's a bullshit metric because like, we're probably not going to care in a few years. So again, collect data on your fans. Uh, that's email address, phone number. Ideally, you know, postcode or zip code as well, you know, so you you know who, who they are. Um, I I think I hope I've hammered home on enough of this stuff. 
you know, over the past few months. And again, it's just been such a joy to connect with you all. Um, I'm, I'm so sad to be wrapping up. But as mentioned, I definitely am going to do two special podcast episodes, one on uh, how to be a session musician and one how to be a touring crew member. Um, so that'll be, hopefully I can record these by the end of the year, end of 2021. We'll see. Maybe it'll be early 2022. Um, but that's going to wrap this initial season of this podcast. And then as I've talked about, I'm the founder of the hashtag I Voted Festival. So we're actually going to be producing an I Voted Festival podcast in 2022, which is something I've wanted to do for years. And I'm really excited about that. Um, so definitely stay in touch uh, to stay in the loop. And then in 2023, which sounds far away, but isn't, um, that's not a national election year in the U.S. So I'm thinking about bringing this podcast back. Um, I have some ideas on how, how to do it in workshop form um, so we can get a little more intimate, a little more one-on-one, some Zoom, some in-person, um, hearing from you all directly. So definitely stay in touch about that. But again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it really means the world to me. One last thing. Uh, this question came courtesy of loyal listener and reader Rock On Sean. Thank you, Sean. Um, this isn't necessarily relevant to this episode, but I keep saying to you all, let me know anything I missed or anything you have questions on. So Sean um, asked, and I think he hears this from other music- musicians as well. Uh, let me simplify this further. How people chart, how you get on the billboard charts. And how you do that is by reporting your sales to SoundScan. Um, that's going to happen automatically for the most part with your distributor because you need a UPC barcode um, to make sure your sales are counted and you need a UPC barcode to distribute your music in the first place. That's all part of the self-serve distribution option. Um, but please make sure if, if you think you are going to chart, and there are a million charts, um, you'd be surprised. Uh, so it's, you know, it's worth taking the time to register, especially if you're running um, a big pre-order. That's where I definitely see a lot of artists chart, a lot of independent artists chart, because um, you can uh, include all your, you know, Patreon pre-orders, your Kickstarter pre-orders, but um much of that you are going to have to self-report. So if you go to <laughs> titlereg, T-I-T-L-E-R-E-G dot soundscan.com forward slash soundscan title reg, and I'll throw that in the show notes as well, you can register each release and each title. Um, so it's in Nielsen SoundScan system, and that way your distributor can re- report sales. You can report sales manually. Um, from your shows. There's also uh, ways to do it through our lovely sponsor, Banzoogle. Um, I definitely mentioned the merch app at Venue, which is really great. They can report SoundScan sales. So really anytime you are selling your music um, beyond kind of the automatic way of streaming, there's, you can either self-report, but like I said, if it's, if it's an app or a website like Banzoogle or an app like at Venue, they're going to have that built in. So I hope that answers your question, Sean, on how people chart, um, how you chart is submitting sales to SoundScan. And like I said, go to titlereg, T-I-T-L-E-R-E-G 
www.soundscan.com forward slash soundscan title reg. So I hope that helps. Um, yeah, stay in touch at EM Wizzle on Twitter, uh, Instagram. I love hearing from you all. And again, let me know if there's anything you feel I didn't cover, any questions you may have. And again, biggest thanks from the bottom of my heart to Nathan Kane, uh, who engineered this podcast, Matthew Wong, uh, who composed this beautiful music. And yeah, thanks again for coming along on this ride. And I hope you found it helpful. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. Thank you.